0: Most afternoons last year, I emerged from my office at 4.30 p.m. completely and utterly exhausted. Spent empty. On the really tough days, the five-minute walk to my daughter's daycare was unthinkable. I couldn't possibly put one foot in front of the other and repeat that action 500 times each way. Inconceivable. Several times, I actually wanted to ask my husband to go by himself. But I realized how ridiculous it sounded for someone who runs more than 10 miles each week. I should most certainly be capable of picking up my toddler from preschool. So I trotted next to my husband with slumped shoulders, trying to explain how I was feeling. But it's hard to put that sense of sheer emptiness and absence of willpower into words for someone who's never experienced it. I myself was perplexed. Why would I feel this way when all I did each day was pursue my passion, my calling, my raison d'être? Why did I despise myself at the end of each workday? After all, it's a luxury to chase after your dreams without reckless abandon. Wasn't I supposed to be walking on clouds of purpose and fulfillment? Why was I feeling so exhausted and defeated when I did exactly the kind of work I loved? I felt guilty for not feeling more elated. Was I doing this whole purpose-driven life wrong? Welcome to Ecosystems for Change, where we co-author the playbook on transforming communities by amplifying the impact of changemakers around us. Whether you are an entrepreneur or otherwise changemaker yourself, a citizen who loves their community with a passion and wants to see it thrive, whether you are a mentor, investor, support organization, advisor, philanthropic funder, economic developer, or policymaker... Learn the practical tools and proven tactics of ecosystem builders from all around the world to better support the dreamers, doers, tinkerers, and makers in your community by taking a systems approach to social change. I'm your host, Annika Horn. A year ago, almost to the day, I published a piece called Martyr in Recovery, in which I talked about how much I'd struggled with trying to establish a business around my passion and experience in ecosystem building. I was following all the online gurus on how to turn your expertise into a thriving business. I took group courses and booked individual strategy sessions. I read all the books and thought out all the right Instagram accounts for daily motivation. I thought that just by trying harder and doubling down on what wasn't working, maybe I could turn that ship around and make it work. That was the professional side of things. Mind you, we were still in the midst of a pandemic The work I had lined up with the foundation had fallen through. I had zero paying clients and was struggling to sell a handful of tickets to workshops and group programs. Some of it worked and some of it didn't. On the personal side, things weren't going much better. I was three years into a house-buying frenzy and nothing seemed to shake out. Due to COVID, I wasn't going to the gym, my toddler was home due to preschool closures, and I figured if I just tried a little harder and double down on what wasn't working maybe I could turn that ship around and make it work are you sensing a theme here i invested in more productivity i joined the 5am club i actually woke up at 445 each morning during the pandemic to work out by myself and meditate and study and learn i rushed through my days as if some cruel ceo was cracking the whip because i had little paid work and didn't know where the next client would come from I didn't dare take time off. It was a volatile time. One of the strategists I worked with, Michelle Martello, shook her head at me when I explained to her that I was writing and publishing weekly interviews plus two to four blog posts each month. In other words, my answer to my exhaustion was to work harder. I had it in my head that the reason I wasn't succeeding wasn't because of the pandemic or because getting paid for ecosystem building is generally hard. These sounded like excuses to me. I figured the reason I was failing was because I wasn't trying hard enough. After all, that's the idea under which I was raised. And that's what all of the self-help and professional development books on my shelf were telling me over and over. Here are a few of my favorites. You just have to focus. Cut out distractions. Set a schedule and stick to it no matter what. Write down your goals, reverse-engineer the process, and don't stop until you get there. Stop making excuses, try harder. Pursue your passion and the money will follow. Give before you get, or, one of my much-hated favorites, find work you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Yuck! Instead of helping me move forward, these so-called guides made me feel horrible. I had a deep sense of shame over not being able to keep up the 5 a.m. schedule. And what's worse, on days and weeks that I did succeed in sticking to that schedule, I felt even more miserable. Because while I hit my productivity goals, I denied myself breaks, air, bathroom breaks, and anything that would give me joy. I was my own worst enemy. I was the whip-cracking CEO. It got to the point that I gave my You're a Badass collection away because I could not stand being in the same room with self-help and professional development books anymore. The constant reminder that I was not, in fact, a badass. I was just plain miserable. Maybe I was burned out on the whole thing. Maybe I was just terribly fed up with the entire industry. What I do know is that I'm not alone in feeling that way. A few of you reached out and shared how you're burning the candle on both ends, and each of the notes I received resonated deeply with my lived experience throughout my career as a do-gooder. See if any of these sound familiar to you. First up, meet Cara Meyer, a coaching consultant who helps workplaces become more equitable, honest, and compassionate.
1: We're all working so hard and we're putting so much energy out, but if we aren't getting it back in a range of different ways then it just keeps draining us. It's like, how can we figure out what are those areas that give us the most energy back? And some people are talking about community, um, which I think, yes, we are social beings, like find a a place where, you know, you get fulfilled around other people. Um, Some people are talking about money. Like sometimes that is that kind of feedback loop, that energy loop, because money is energy. For some people, it's some markers of progress. So like, how can we have metrics so that we can see that we've gone from A to B to C? Uh, But some, there has to be some way that we can get that fulfillment back toward us. And I think there's ways to like engineer that in ways that are authentic and
0: true uh, for ourselves. This is what Jane Finette founder and executive director at the Coaching Fellowship shared about the experience she and her team have had facing the challenges that affect all of us, COVID, the mental well-being of us and our team's and natural disasters. This is a tough one for me personally and for Coach Fellowship team. 2022 has been wild. Um, We have faced wildfires, bereavements, family health, family mental health, personal health issues. In fact, uh, three out of four of us right now are sick. And yeah, when it comes to burnout, I'm just kind of uh, struggling. Being out in nature, doing um, fresh air things is good, but um, it seems like it's not enough. And honestly, I don't know how to make it better. Lisa Millette is a community development professional, primarily working with island and coastal communities. When Lisa talks about the work always being within our reach, I kind of felt found out. Listen to how she describes the relationship to her calling.
2: I've worked in nonprofits since I graduated from university in 2010. And like many folks who enter into the nonprofit space, often try to do much for my community for not very high salary um or benefits. Um in my past two positions, including the one I'm in now, um, I have found that I'm not somebody who says no to things or asks for help until I've hit the wall. Um, and then it's too late for me to backpedal. What I need um in order to take care of myself uh, is just time to turn off. To stare at the wall, to not have very much stimulus around me. I also need time off, and long enough to turn off from my day to day work. Um, so whether that's that's a full week, just in a different space or a different atmosphere. Um, and what's really tough now with working from the work from home environment is that. Even when I'm off the clock, I don't feel like I'm fully off the clock. So I have trouble turning off because my computer is all always around me. It's always in my home.
0: Lastly, hear from Tracy Green, ecosystem builder in Charlottesville, Virginia. Tracy and I both work in Virginia and hung out at the Startup Champions Network Summit in April. Here's what Tracy said about burning the candle on both ends.
3: I think that I burn the candle at both ends. And I tend to not recognize or give proper weight to when I'm not feeling well. The consequence of doing that is, you know, pushing yourself down even further and making it even harder for your body to fight off whatever infection, you know, you're dealing with or or illness. And um, I've been dealing with a lot of exhaustion since coming back from the SCN conference. I was sick when I went down there and I got sicker by the time I got back. I just didn't want to be sick. I wanted to take advantage of that conference. And so I put that before my own health. And The next day after that conference, I had my best friend's memorial service, and I'd even had an allergic reaction to a medication, and I still went to the service. I ended up that afternoon going to the emergency room to get treated. And I think that's one of the things that we do sometimes is we don't put
0: ourselves first. I'm learning from that myself. In March of 2022, Tara McMullen talked about the big squeeze in her podcast, What Works. Mind you. Tara's podcast is directed towards small business owners, and yet I found that a lot of her thoughts are super relevant to those of us who are deeply committed to seeing our communities thrive. Whether in a paid capacity or not, there's always more to do, the work is never done, and we take it extremely personally.
4: The economist John Maynard Keynes put it this way, We've been trained too long to strive and not to enjoy. One form that training has taken is the regular reminder that time is money. And so we strive to squeeze as much money-making work into our days as possible. We hustle and manage our time so that every minute is filled with something productive and that something is done as efficiently as possible. We live in the accumulated results of over 200 years of industrialization, technological revolution, financialization, and for-profit data mining. Busyness is the unsurprising result of constant optimization. Fast and efficient are the guiding values of that optimization. But what if, just maybe, we chose different values to optimize for? How would your relationship to time, tasks, and money shift? How would your needs evolve? I would love to tell you that those few months during
0: the pandemic were an exception. But if I'm being honest, I had brushed shoulders with that type of exhaustion before. While I was working to build the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Richmond, Virginia, five years ago, there were many late nights that I rode home from facilitating a session or teaching entrepreneurship utterly miserably. There were many heart to hearts with some of my co conspirators about how underpaid and overworked we were. In July 2021, A conversation about burnout and exhaustion erupted among U.S. ecosystem builders after one of our peers, Joe Murrushak, wrote a heartfelt farewell letter to his community in Eugene, Oregon. In it, he says, After 11 years of working to help grow the startup community in Eugene, Oregon, I have gotten to the point where, although I love the work, it is not sustainable personally. Other colleagues jumped in and gave a peek under the hood of what's been brooding in silence that the work of ecosystem building is rarely compensated well to make it sustainable. Personally, I believe that we will dedicate an entire season to the question of how to get paid for the work of ecosystem building. I consider this lack of financial sustainability a systemic issue, which, as we know after Season 2, is a complex issue, and I can't wait to dive into it. While fixing the systemic issues, will take a long-term approach, both top-down and bottom-up, we have a more immediate influence on the internal factors that help us keep our flame alive. That's what I want to talk about in Season 3. If you listen to the first two seasons of this show, you may have noticed that I ask each guest how they're handling the demands of the work as systemic thinkers and Having worked in this space for years, I know that many of us idealists and hopeless optimists come dangerously close to burning the candle on both ends on a regular basis. I want to point out that I use the term burnout, not in a clinical sense, and I actually try my best to avoid it altogether. I have talked to people who have been diagnosed with burnout, hospitalized, and had to take years to physically and mentally recover. I am a little worried that we throw that term around a lot these days. And whether or not you, my dear listeners, have a clinical diagnosis of burnout or are simply exhausted, depleted, and utterly spent from their work this season is for you. I also want to set your expectations early on. There will be no revelatory earth-shattering life hacks or get-your-life-in-order programs. Strictly no reminders that you should just try a little harder, drink more celery juice, or become more productive. It doesn't work that way. Trust me, I have tried. If it does for you, good for you. But for those of us who have tried with the best of intentions, I want to offer you a handful of conversations with practitioners who are dedicated to helping others live meaningful, happy, and healthy lives. Most of them have a background in ecosystem building and or social justice and community building. I believe that if you're in this world to make a difference for other people, you're already doing a lot. The last thing I want is for you to feel like you need to do more in order to become happier and healthier. In preparation for this season, I hosted a community conversation with listeners about how they're burning the candle on both ends. I wanted to know what goes through your head when the going gets tough. Here is what some of you shared. Why do bad things keep happening when I'm working so hard for good? This is pointless. How many times must I keep banging my head against this wall? Why do I even bother? Am I providing any value? I'm not sure I will make a meaningful dent into the issues I'm working on. I feel invisible. I wish I had the time and resources to do more, but I'm just one person. I can't keep living like this. Where's my community, my safe space, my place of rest? I'm afraid to say and share what is on my heart with others. And many times over you describe that you cry, that you feel like you don't fit in, that you should just go and do something easier. Something stable and something that is less of a risk of breaking your heart. And this is why we need to talk about burnout, friends. We cannot afford for any of us to break down, to quit. Who is going to change the world if all the changemakers are depleted and exhausted? And what's more, we are not interchangeable. One ecosystem builder or social impact enthusiast lost is a huge cost. Yes. There will be others who join the ranks and do the work. But I firmly believe that we all have a unique gift that we bring into this world. And when we lose someone to burnout, that gift will forever be lost to our community. The flame will be distinguished. And that breaks my heart. In Season 3, I talk to practitioners who can help us build a solid foundation of physical, mental, and emotional health so that we can stay in this game of ecosystem building for a long time to come. Thanks for coming along on season three. I can't wait to hear what you think. I pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live. The Tuscarora, Shokori, Saponi, Okanichi, Lumbi, and Eno people. I recognize their continuing connection to land, water and community. I pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. This episode was produced by Yellow House Media.